The transfer market is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Eye-watering fees are exchanged between enemies, vast sums of money too often wasted on those deceptively flashy South American wingers and outmoded Premier League stalwarts. We, as fans, spend hours trawling through YouTube skills videos of little-known Bulgarian prospects touted with big money moves, only to find they're just as inept as the last. But for every 10 costly flops that a club endures, there's one incoming that sporting directors dine out on. The bargain. In a world where 60 million can buy you a dud, it's only fair that a measly 10 grand can buy you a superstar. And it's those markdown marvels that we're celebrating today. Welcome to the 11, Arthur Fane. Thank you very much, Ben. I'm I'm can't wait to hear which 10k superstar you've unearthed. Today. Ah, there is one, Arthur. You're going to have to wait till the end of this episode to find out who that is, but there certainly is one. Uh, yes, welcome to the podcast. We're the eleven. Uh, we run through themed football teams uh, with a fair dose of wit and nostalgia. And as we've introduced. Today, all of the 11 players are bargains within their own right. And there is nothing more satisfying than a bargain, is there, Arthur? I agree with you, Ben. I think your point actually about trawling through YouTube videos is mm. something that I'm, I have, I have a slight weakness for myself. I, I remember Southampton signing Rudy Scatchell from Hearts and... <laughs> The man honestly has the most deceptively good YouTube video of all time. <laughs> and every YouTube video is titled something like Rudy Scatchel, the new talent to break through. Exactly. And, and he was like he was like 20, 27 as well. So he yeah. wasn't even that new. And it was to the song Final Countdown by Europe. So <laughs> Very dramatic. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, we're going for a 4-3-3 today, Arthur. Quite attacking. Yes, a good opportunity to name a few more strikers than we might have done. They're players whose bargainitude, if that's a word, it is can, now. <laughs> you can quantify a little bit more through the amount of goals they've scored. I think there are a few who've plundered many a goal. Absolutely, 100% true. And Southampton and Reading have had their fair share of bargains. So um, maybe we'll hear a few of them. Potentially, though, Ben, I think in recent times, it's been more the overpriced flops for Southampton. So if you have any suggestions for the Bargain 11, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at 11pod. It's the word, not the number. OK, Ben, I think you've chosen a goalkeeper for us this week, right? I have. Uh, we certainly need a bargain between the sticks and Premier League history has the perfect answer, Arthur. You see Jaskalainen. Oh, wonderful player. Arguably the best Finnish goalkeeper of all time, but that one is up for debate. He's uh, not Finnish. He's only 28. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, he was signed from VPS, which is a team you've probably never heard of, uh, for £100,000 back in the day. Uh, and he went on to make 530 appearances for Bolton. So wow. talk about value for money. He's a mainstay of that, that Sam Allardyce team. What a player. <laughs> he really was. Um, incredibly predictable, incredibly reliable. You see Jaskalainen 
and kind of understated in a way. He had that classic kind of Finnish North European personality where he, he was quite happy not to be the standout in a, a team that had a, a ton of characters like JJ Okocha and uh, and obviously Stelios, Ivan Campo. He was kind of the more understated of that group um, that went on to do so well for Bolton. The Lion of Vienna Suite, which is the Bolton fan forum, um, they talked about him very fondly. They said the double saver Old Trafford is one that sticks in the memory. Uh, when Paul Scholes found himself in space just inside the area, UC's reaction save could only palm it into the path of Andy Cole. Jaskalainen instantly readjusted, pushing himself off the turf and leaping to stop Cole's shot exquisitely. And that is one that I would certainly recommend you check out, that double save against Manchester United. Uh, and he was revered by by his colleagues as well. Um, the rest of the team, Keith Brannigan, who was the Bolton goalkeeper before UC uh, took over from him, said, uh, you never knew UC was there most of the time because he didn't really say anything. He came in and to be fair, I thought, wow, we've signed a good one here. I thought to myself that I'm going to have to raise my game to stay in the team. And it didn't work out well for Keith because in came UC at a young age and, and was Bolton's stalwart keeper um, for an awfully long time. And, and I guess when we talk about a bargain, £100,000, 530 appearances, that works out at £53 per appearance. You can't get much better than that. He was a bastion of reliability in that goal for such a long period of time. And I think to... To make over 500 appearances and be so reliable. I think a reliable goalkeeper is just so important for any team. 100% warrants his place in our bargain 11. Um, Arthur, you've taken a look at the left back, haven't you? I have indeed. It's a former Southampton player, but this, his, his bargain transfer was some way before his Southampton signing. Graham Lasso. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to this one. He was signed in 1993 uh, for Blackburn from Chelsea. Mm. And he's originally from Jersey. So another Channel Islander. You know, I like the Channel Islanders. you certainly do with with Latiss in (laughs) our first episode. And uh, in his first season for Blackburn, they finished second. And Mm. in their second season, he won the league with them and established himself as one of the best left backs in the league. He made quite a few appearances for England and eventually after four full seasons at Blackburn, he re-signed for Chelsea, making Blackburn a seven times profit. So I think that really emphasises how much of a bargain Graham Lasseau was. He won all he could really at Blackburn and then returned to Chelsea for a massive profit. He was a quality player as well. I think we quite often overlook Lasseau when it comes to those sort of underrated England players. I was saddened to to find that he received quite a lot of homophobic abuse in his career, which was stoked by none other than Robbie Fowler. Mm. And Robbie Fowler stoked this abuse simply because he thought Graham Lasseau was gay because he went to university, liked reading The Guardian and doing crosswords. (laughs) Goodness me. It it was a bizarre, bizarre situation. Uh, Graham Lasseau, I think... He was a reliable left back. He did it really at every every club he went to. He did a good mm. job, even at Southampton when he was in his later years. And for only £700,000, I think, fantastic deal. That is a great shout, Arthur. I love it. Um, let's move into the centre of the defence. 
Um, and I'm picking out another Premier League legend, actually, Arthur, for this one. Lucas Radderby. Yes. Do you remember him? Of course. Leeds icon. <laughs> Arguably the best South, uh, South African player ever to play in the Premier League. Um, he was signed from Kaiser Chiefs, which is a South African club side with an unbelievable name that's also a music group, Arthur. Doesn't mm. happen very often. No. Um, he was signed for £50,000. Wow. Which is an, an undisputable bargain. And there's a really interesting story actually about his transfer because Leeds actually wanted to sign his fellow countryman, Phil Masinga, in 1994. Uh, and they did so for £250,000. Um, but it was felt that making the move from South Africa um, over to Yorkshire, Phil Masinga would find it very difficult to sit, settle in. So the club Kaiser Chiefs threw in Lucas Radaby. Um, for an extra 50 grand to keep him company um, and keep him happy. But as, as we know now, it was Lucas Radaby that really went on to be the, the Leeds um, stalwart. And unfortunately, Phil Masinga left the club just two years later, having made little effect. Um, when we talk about glowing reviews of players, um, he was actually told by none other than Nelson Mandela that he was his hero back in 2002. Um, which is quite incredible. Um, he, he was subject to a number of offers in his prime. Um, there was a rumoured £10 million bid from Manchester United, uh, but Radaby was so set on the Leeds United way that he decided to stay. He confirmed he would only ever wear the white rose, not the red one. Um, and he was so popular in those parts that he's actually had a beer named after him um, oh, wow. from a, a local Yorkshire brewery. So... Um, I mean, that's a life goal, isn't it? So Lucas Radaby, you say he had offers from Man United. Leeds were amongst, if not the best clubs in the country at the time. So to yeah. have his head turned by United would, would be no small feat. That is true. And, and obviously Radaby didn't want to leave. Um, I think it's the, like you said, it's the profit margin that they would have made. I mean, having signed him for £50,000, that 10 million was an awful lot of money back in the, in the sort of early nineties. So um, that would have been a humongous profit for Leeds, but uh, unfortunately Radaby was, was so good. They, they weren't interested. Mm. No, I think that's a fantastic signing. And for only 50,000 pounds, that's, that's truly, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to struggle to come up with an adequate center back pairing. <laughs> However, I've gone for Colo Torre. Oh, Colo. £150,000, which I think, in looking back, is an enormous bargain. He had a fairly eventful uh, trial at Arsenal, uh, mm. which has been written about in several autobiographies of, of some of that Invincibles era. Um, but it boils down to the fact that during his trial in 2002, he nearly crocked both Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp, Arsenal's arguably two <laughs> best players, before deciding to also clatter Arsene Wenger. <laughs> uh, Arsene went on to say, yeah, Arsene went on to say, I like his desire. We'll sign him tomorrow. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. So, and, and you're right in that Colo was a bargain by considering the success he had with the club. He really did. He made 326 appearances for Arsenal. Obviously, Sol Campbell's partner in defence in, in 2003-04 when they became the Invincibles. And 
and just a, a very, very reliable uh, defender who I think because of that chant has turned into somewhat of a, uh, a cult hero as well, actually, frankly. Mm. But also a- another story about Colo Torre is, firstly, he claimed to have owned a dog for seven years without ever touching it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he went on to... Ex- <laughs> and he, uh, he, he went on to express his love for Whitney Houston after being asked to name his favourite terrorist chant. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Out of all the he, people to name. He's, he's, I think, not just a quality centre-back for only £150,000, but he's also a big character and someone who solidified Arsenal's defence and made them un- undefeatable in that famous season. You're right, Arthur. And I think he, his partnership with Lucas Radaby um, feels like a natural one, personally. And I think he, those two will provide great cover for Jaskolainen in goal. Um, now, it's the right back next. But as you will know, if you've listened to uh, an episode of ours previously, one position in our 11 is up for grabs. Uh, and this time around, it's going to be put up to the audience, um, you, the listeners, to decide um, who is going to take up that final place in the 11. So head over to at 11 pods. It's the word, not the number um, to vote for your favourite. It's going to be the right back. So, Ben, have you prepared us some entertainment for today? Well, I have. And I I don't know about you, Arthur, but there's something about this lockdown lark that has got me into fairly rubbishy daytime television. Bargain Hunt just seems to coincide with my lunch break from work. So I've watched an awful lot of it. Um, And I've actually prepared a version of Bargain Hunt for you today. Um, But of course, a football edition. You mentioned it already with um, Graham Lasso, but I think one of the things that constitutes a bargain is not just the the low transfer fee, but it's actually the amount of profit that you can make on that particular player. So you buy them for 500,000, you sell them for 5 million, you make a, a four and a half million pound profit. So from two teams that you know very well, Portsmouth and Southampton, I have picked out six key transfers um, from the sort of late 90s, early noughties era. And uh, I'd like you to try and pick for me, a la Bargain Hunt, the three that you think made a profit. So three of the six made a profit. Three of them sadly made a loss. uh, And you've got to try and identify which three. Uh, So I'm going to do them in groups of two. Sure. The first one, um, we've got one former Portsmouth player, one former Saint, Nico Cranshaw. Yes. He moved from Hyduck Split to Portsmouth for four million. Okay. Or Anders Svensson. He moved from Elfsborg to Southampton for half a million. Which of those made a profit when they moved on to their next club? Well, Anders was Anders was a quality player, but he was rather old when he left Southampton. So I think it's feasible that he could have 
left on a free. Nico went to went to Spurs, I believe. Correct. He did go to Spurs. I would think that, although I can't imagine Nico going for more than half a million. I don't know why. I, I think I'm going to go Cranshaw. Okay. So it was Cranshaw that made a loss, sadly. Oh, no. Arthur. Um, despite his, I think, pretty decent displays at Portsmouth, by the time he did move on to join Harry at Spurs, uh, he was deemed to be worth only two and a half million. Um, meaning he made a, a one and a half million pound loss. What a bargain for Harry. Uh, absolutely. And, and Anders Svensson, he, uh, his transfer stock raised. He went for one and a half million back to Elfsborg. Oh, wow. So well, there um, we go. There we go. So unfortunately, you're, you're minus 1.5 at the moment. Oh. Um, our next two players, uh, Lamana Luar-Luar, who signed from Newcastle to Portsmouth for two million. Or Kevin Phillips, who signed from Sunderland to your team Southampton for four million. Oh, that is not easy. I can't even remember who we sold Kevin Phillips to. Uh, I can tell you, you sold him to Aston Villa. Okay, I think I'm going to go that Kevin Phillips made a loss. Great. So you're going to pick Luar Luar for your bargain. And you'd be right to do that. Uh, Loire Loire moved from uh, Portsmouth to Olympiacos for 3.5 million, which was a, a 1.5 million profit. Uh, meanwhile, Kevin Phillips moved to Aston Villa uh, for 1.5 million. So you made a two and a half million pound loss on Kevin Ooh. Phillips. Um, so you're back to level playing field, Arthur. Um, that's plus 1.5 to add on to your minus 1.5. Um, you've so far signed Cranchar and Loire Loire, just about back to zero. So your final choice, Antin Niemi, uh, that was 2.5 million from Hearts to Southampton, or Kevin Prince Boateng, that was four million pounds from Spurs to Portsmouth. Ooh. So I think Niemi went to... He might have even gone to Portsmouth. He went to Fulham. He went to Fulham. I think that it's going to be a profit on Kevin Prince Boateng. Correct. Well done. You have officially completed bargain hunt, like so few do on the TV show. Was that AC Milan? It was to Serie A. It was uh, Genoa first. Genoa, okay. So um, he moved to Genoa uh, for five million, making a one million pound profit. Niemi went to Fulham, um, but only for one point five million. So you did make a one million pound profit, Arthur. You've obviously got a good eye for a bargain. Thank you. Maybe I should become Southampton's director of football. Goals has time and space. Escalander stops it. Oh, what a wonderful double save by the Fed. The first save was excellent. The second save was purely sensational. So three centre midfielders today, Ben. Who have you picked as the first of them? Yeah, and I think we need to keep it quite tight in this 11, Arthur, to be honest, if we're going to be playing a 4-3-3. So I've gone for a shielding defensive midfielder. And we're actually heading over to Spain. We're heading to La Liga for this particular bargain. Um, A player that I hope you remember, Marcos Senna. I do. Yes, a very good player. 
he was a wonderful player uh, and a bargain indeed. He signed from Sao Caetano in Brazil for only £400,000. He made 300 appearances for Villarreal throughout a hugely successful period of the club's history. Um, but there was an element of luck involved, which I think happens with all football transfers, to be honest. Um, Villarreal actually wanted Gilberto Silva. Um, the deal had been agreed, but then Emerson, who was at Real Madrid, got injured. And this left Brazil with just one defensive midfielder for the 2002 World Cup. Um, and Gilberto Silva was so good in that World Cup that Arsenal came knocking and, and Villarreal were trumped. Um, but they ended up going for Senna. He was an expert at simplifying the game um, and dictating the play from deep. Um, he let the more attacking threats in that great Villarreal side, the likes of Raquel May and Diego Forlan, to do their business and run wild, if you like. Um, and he played the sort of underrated and understated role, and um, the Kante role, if you like, in the midfield. Such was his form for Villarreal um, that he eventually signed Spanish citizenship, even though he was born in Brazil. Uh, and he played in their 2008 Euro squad. And of course, as we know now, they won the Euros and he was named in the team of the tournament. So what I quite liked about this pick, Arthur, of Marcos Senna is this is a player that signed from an, a nobody club in Brazil for a tiny transfer fee, but actually went on to win the biggest prizes of all in world football. Um, and that, for me, is is the ultimate bargain. It's a phenomenal signing and somewhat under the radar. Did he have any interest from, from bigger clubs in no, Spain? No, not particularly. He was relatively unknown. And certainly when he signed for Villarreal, there was not a feeling that this player was going to revolutionise the way they played. But as we know, all great clubs need that understated utility figure who stands in the midfield and mops up. And, and Senna did that so effectively um, that, that he went on to be one of the greats, really, of that, of that successful Spanish side. Absolutely. So, Arthur, you, you need to pick a midfield to play alongside Marcos, don't you? I do. And I actually, I have to say, I struggled uh, in the parameters of a, of a bargain here. Obviously, you can define a bargain in many different ways. An 11 million player could be a bargain. Someone that like is Frank, Frank Lampard, you could say, is a bargain for, for Chelsea when he signs. true. But I think 11 million is too much, really, for a centre midfielder. Sure. So I have decided to go slightly off-piste here with Tim Cahill. Yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting shout. So he was 1.5 million when mm. he signed from Millwall. Uh, to Everton and he became a massive part of the David Moyes era sort of top seven Premier League team what an era that David Moyes era <laughs> an unbelievable era and perhaps an era that that West Ham are embarking on now you never know there are similarities there are similarities he he was signed from from Millwall just after playing a key part in their run to the FA Cup final in 2004 and I remember actually watching that on TV and there was a lot of hype around this, this Australian centre midfield. Yeah, I remember. And he signed for Everton. I think one of his defining features is the fact that I've rarely seen someone as good in the air as Tim mm. Cahill. An absolute lethal weapon, that header at corners. Uh, and he was only five foot ten, so he wasn't even six foot, yet he still had this unbelievable heading ability. 
He really did. And he was a goal scoring midfielder, wasn't he? Which is almost a bit more of a rare breed these days. He just got himself in those great positions behind the striker um, to score. Another player that you always wanted in your fantasy league. Absolutely. He was always a firm fixture in mine. Uh, and you say goal scorer, he scored 68 goals in 278 appearances for, for Everton. And he was always sort of ticking those goals over. I think he scored sort of eight or nine a season. Um, just just steady, reliable influence in the centre midfield. Alongside actually another player who was worthy of consideration, Mikel Arteta signed mm. only for two million. Uh, so they had, they had a, a series of bargains during that period, I would say. And Tim Cahill, I think, shows that in abundance 1.5 million for his talent is a fantastic deal i love that pick i think that's great you know tim cahill he can now be spotted on match of the day can't he occasionally wearing a a turtleneck or two so um well rarely two that would be (laughs) slightly peculiar but um a great pick indeed and we need a player alongside him i feel arthur to make up this three-man midfield who has a little bit of the extreme who has a little bit of the exciting a little bit of flair, a little bit of unpredictability. And I'm also going to Serie A for this player. Um, it's Dejan Stankovic. Not a player I know a lot about, Ben. Well, you're about to find out an awful lot more about him, Arthur. His name is, is synonymous with Naughty's football, I think. Hmm. Uh, so I, I, I know the name, but I'm looking forward to hearing about him. Well, he's the most expensive player that's in our bargain 11 so far. He signed from Lazio to Inter Milan for 3.6 million, which in those days was actually a reasonable amount of money. Um, And so you might be asking, Ben, why is he in the bargain 11? Well, it's not just about low transfer fees, I feel. It's also about value for money. And to get a world-class player like Stankovic for a cut price fee was hugely impressive. He was heavily courted at the time. Um, when he signed for Lazio, he was already the, the Red Star Belgrade captain at the age of just 19. Um, and some say he made that signing for Lazio for £24 million. But unfortunately, fast forwarding several years to the 2003 season, uh, the Bianco Celeste, also Lazio, um, were in some awful financial difficulty. And as a result, they had to sell a lot of their star, star names, star players. Inter Milan came in for Dejan Stankovic and got him for 3.6 million. So we're talking potentially an eighth of what he'd really be valued at. During his time at Inter Milan, he went on to be one of the big names in Serie A. Um, he was more of a centre midfielder, utility type player. He didn't really have one position. He'd play all across the midfield. Um, but he was most often found just around the box, taking long shots, which he became um, he became known for. And certainly he could have made the Worldies eleven. Some of his incredible strikes, including one against Schalke, a volley from the halfway line, um, were a sight to behold, really, and, and well worth checking out. He'd spend nine years at Inter Milan um, and he was voted in Bleacher Report's top 50 Inter players of all time. Uh, he was a store of the side that won the treble under Mourinho in 09-10. Um, and in fact, during the time that he was at Inter, he won five league titles, four Coppa Italias, four Supercoppers, one Champions League and a Club World Cup. 
So incredibly decorated. And to think a player of that calibre was signed for just 3.6 million is hugely impressive. But one final stat actually about Dejan Stankovic. I don't know whether you know this. He's the only player to have represented three international teams. Oh, <laughs> so he, he first started his um, international career with Yugoslavia, which then split. Uh, and then he played for Serbia and Montenegro, which then split. <laughs> and then he was the captain of Serbia. Wonderful. What, a, what, a, what an interesting international career. And actually a very interesting shout. And you, you sort of reinforced my point about what, what is a bargain, because Frankly, 3.6 million, as soon as he said it, I was like, that's not a bargain, Ben. But you <laughs> justified that superbly. I was considering actually myself, um, Patrick Vieira at 3.5 million. Yeah. Um, but he was plucked from AC Milan's reserve team where he mm. wasn't really doing much. This is a player who's at the peak of his powers. And yes, they've taken advantage of the dire financial situation at Lazio, but still, mm. that's a phenomenal signing in hindsight. So I think that's a very, very good option i feel like it's it's similar to getting a nice new work shirt from the top man reduced sale (laughs) and it actually goes on to be your favorite of the week and it's a drill back what about that that's absolutely amazing Stankovic with an extraordinary goal. Okay, so starting off our strike force. In past episodes, we've said that we're keen to avoid the obvious. You don't want to just pick the immediate option that springs to mind. However, I just couldn't avoid Jamie Vardy. Yeah, it's Jamie Vardy. It is. Well, it's Rebecca Vardy. Yeah, but in this case, it's it's Jamie, isn't it? But yeah, I guess. Yeah. He was a fantastic signing for Leicester City. He just smashed 36 goals in for Fleetwood in the conference in 2011-12 when he was taken on by Leicester, who were then in the championship. He initially took his time to adapt to life at the King Power. He scored just four goals in his first season in the championship, but then he fired them to promotion with 16 goals in his second season for Leicester. Again, first season in the Premier League, slightly struggled. But since then, he scored 110 Premier League goals in just 200 games. Uh, That includes firing them to the title, uh, an unbelievable 5,000 to one shot, which was obviously very memorable for a a number of reasons. But for me, uh, it was the Andrea Bocelli singing, uh, singing his, his, uh, his beautiful uh, title-celebrating opera. But Jamie Vardy, he's hard to overlook simply because of how he took the world by storm. He's mm. produced on the international scene as well. And he was just a... He was symbolic with Leicester's fast, uh, aggressive, counter-attacking style that won them that unbelievably unexpected title. I agree, Arthur. And he, he's been a non-league poster boy, hasn't he, really, in the sense that he, he set the precedent for players that are in the lower leagues and, and still have a dream. Ben, I don't think I've mentioned his price tag at all in all what of this. What was his uh, price tag? Such is his brilliance. His price tag was £1 million, yeah. uh, which I guess when you put in the context of things, paying £1 million to a conference side is not a small amount of money, but £1 million has bought them an unbelievable player 
a, a huge amount of goals and potentially that coveted title. Mm. Fair play Fleetwood, fair play Jamie Vardy. He's in the 11 um, and alongside him, a name that's kind of making me laugh, actually, just even looking at it. Um, Premier League nostalgia at its best, Arthur. Collins John. <laughs> Don't you just love Collins John? I remember Collins John for being a one of those young talents who didn't quite live up to his enormous well, promise. So I'm looking forward to that. hearing this justification. <laughs> You say that, I think from where he came from, he did a remarkable job really to settle into the Premier League in the way that he did. Um, The story of Collins John, he was signed for Fulham for £600,000, which is not an insignificant amount of money, but to be fair to him, he had some success with them. Um, In the 2005-2006 season, despite starting just 16 league games, Um, He was the club's top scorer with 11 goals. And a lot of the time he was playing second fiddle to Brian McBride, another legend of Fulham. Um, So he was the second choice. But I felt like I feel like he held his own. But the story in this is really prior to his time at Fulham. Um, He was uh, training and playing for DES Nivedal in in the Netherlands. And he transferred to FC Twente for a set of encyclopedias that were given to a local secondary school. That's so wonderful. A Premier League striker, just one move before the Fulham move, was transferred for a set of encyclopedias. Now, at 20, he went on to score 11 goals in 35 games before he attracted the interest of some other clubs, including Fulham. Um, but it's an incredible story about someone who, who fled Liberia at a young age. His dad was tragically killed in the Civil War there, uh, went on to be sold for a set of encyclopedias. And, and two years later, he's becoming a, a Premier League player. So uh, an outstanding story. He's not the only one that's transferred for some bizarre um, transfer fees. Um, I'm sure you'll remember Zach Knight. He signed for Fulham for 30 tracksuits. And Franco De Santo, um, do you remember him? Played for Chelsea and Wigan. Um, well, when he was signed for Aldax Italiano, um, he did so for two goal nets and four litres of paint so they could cl- paint the clubhouse. How bizarre. <laughs> that is bizarre. What The tracksuits. I mean, surely he was worth all those tracksuits. Six tracksuits for Zat Knight. That's phenomenal. Going on to the third striker accompanying those those two stalwarts of the game, I've decided to go for none other than Henrik Larsson. Yeah, Henrik. Loved his Henrik, hair. He had, he had some fantastic hair. He had some fantastic technique, frankly. He was signed from Feyenoord to Celtic uh, for only £650,000. Now, I think as Premier League fans, Ben, we're used to strikers thriving in the Eredivisie and then coming over to the UK. Think uh, Afonso Alves. He signed for Middlesbrough after scoring 45 goals in 39 games for Heerenveen. (laughs) (laughs) However... Henrik Larsson just didn't really thrive in the Dutch league at all. He scored 26 goals in 101 games. And so when Celtic decided to spend £650,000 on him, it was considered potentially a rip-off. Um, he, in his first game for Celtic, he misplaced a pass and uh, the other team scored. 
So it was it was far from a good start for Henrik. However, he went on to score a phenomenal 242 goals in 313 games for, for Celtic uh, and became a club legend. I think a few people might say that the Scottish League is, is not the absolute highest quality league in the world. However, Henrik proved himself in European games. He scored 35 and 56 European games, including in their run to the UEFA Cup final, uh, which they lost to, to Porto. And he obviously did it on an international level as well. And when he came to Manchester United later in his career and at Barcelona, Henrik's done it everywhere. And to mm. sign a striker of that quality, who's, who banged in quite so many goals for just £650,000, strikes me as an enormous bargain. It sure is. And I love the dynamism of that strike force, Arthur. Larson, Vardy and Collins John. <laughs> They're going to be terrified, aren't they? I, I absolutely agree. The the movement up front is just, I mean, they're going to be completely unplayable. Um, Jamie Vardy, uh, Jamie Vardy's going to be uh, breaking off side traps. He's going to be all over the pitch. And, and Henrik Larsson's just going to be scoring every single week. Collins, John, he's maybe going to be there. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be enjoying himself. It's good. It's good. I love this show. I do love it. really mounting more pressure on Fulham's goal oh and here a flick Collins John he's onside can he lobby and Walker he can and he's scored he's only gone and scored Collins John right so the right back is the position that's up for grabs now to remind you how this works um, Arthur and I are going to put someone forward we're going to nominate them uh, and you'll find a poll on Twitter at 11pod. It's the word, not the number. Uh, and you can vote for your favourite on there to see who makes the right back spot in the 11. Arthur, who have you gone for? I think this is quite simply indisputable, Ben. And so oh, I, think you're I just, don't know about that. You're going to struggle to, to better Seamus Coleman. Oh, Seamus. I mean, he's what? a good player. I wasn't aware he was a bargain, was oh. he? Signed only for £63,000 oh, from right. Sligo okay. in, in Ireland to, to sign for, for Everton. That's obviously £63,000 is, is barely enough to cover a week's wages for, for most Premier League quality players these days. Mm. Um, but out of that tiny sum, Everton unearthed a 300-plus game servant, a club captain, a former... PFA Team of the Year member who I would say at his peak uh, was one of the best right backs in the world actually and that might be very controversial uh, but I was mm. always impressed with Coleman for his probing runs down the right uh, he got quite a lot of assists scored the odd goal uh, and is still doing the business in the Premier League albeit he's injured uh, or he's had some injury problems recently mm. um, but I think 63,000 for a player plucked from the Irish league is, is a phenomenal deal for Everton. And I think we'll take some bettering. I would agree. Yeah. And I, with no dis disrespect to the Irish league, and that's the precursor to saying something very disrespectful. It must be quite hard to scout in that league because the standard isn't that high. So to find someone capable of playing at the highest level um, is impressive in and of itself. 
I think your claim that he's one of the best right backs in the world might be disputed, even I'd if say his position in the eleven might at his at not his be. peak. I would at say at his peak, peak. at okay. his pomp. So, so, so Josh t- Kimmich doesn't have to worry too much uh, about I mean, Seamus. Potentially, we could say one of the best right backs in the Premier League. We'll okay. we'll we'll downgrade that claim. Uh, but one of the best right backs in the Premier League that's regularly on the bench. No, I like <laughs> I like your suggestion, Arthur. I, I've gone for another player that played in the Premier League. And at the beginning of this show, I promised you a bargain for £10,000, didn't I? You did. Well, I'm a giving superstar. you one. Yeah, and, it's, and he's a superstar. How okay. can you deny that Angel Rangel deserves a place in the bargain eleven? I mean, the name alone is fantastic, but he he signed from Terrassa in the lower leagues of Spain. Um, and he was actually asked to pay a portion of his transfer fee out of his own pocket to secure the move. Um, he, he joined when Swansea were in League One uh, and he followed the club's progression up to the Premier League, uh, beating Reading, in fact, in that championship playoff final all those years ago. Um, Rangel commented on his rise. He said, I could write a book easily. I came to Swansea in League One on my own, single. It was a new adventure. If I didn't like it, I would go back home and live with my parents. Six years later, we're in the Premier League in a cup final. I'm married with kids and living in Swansea, hopefully for a long time. Now, that sounds like a pretty crap book, but a very, very solid right back, Angel Rangel, someone who also made over 300 appearances for his club, um, He actually made the Football Manager Team of the Decade at the Football League Awards, which feels quite generous. But I'm presuming, given it was the Football League Awards, it was just players that were in the Football League um, and were successful, rather than him sort of matching Seamus and Josh Kimmick's um, levels of play. But I I certainly feel in terms of a bargain, £10,000, of which some of it's come out of his own pocket, has to be considered a viable shout. I seem to remember him at one stage, obviously being Spanish. I think qualification for the international Spanish team would be would be maybe slightly beyond him. But I think he he was close to a Wales call-up at one stage. He loved Swansea so much, Arthur, that he wanted more. Um, he did. He that's did. what I love about Angel Rangel, his passion. Um so please, yeah, get on Twitter and vote for your favourite. We've got Seamus Coleman or Angel Rangel to play at right back uh, in the eleven. Um, so I guess they'll be they'll be alongside Radaby. Um, they'll be alongside Toure. I think both can cope with that. Okay, so moving on to the bench, Ben. I was tempted by a Leicester City double up with Riyad Mahrez yeah. as he was signed just for £400,000 from Le Havre. That was an incredible spot. Um, I didn't know whether it negated it, the fact that he went for so much money to Man City. but um, I, I think rather than negating it, it reinforces it. Perhaps. It makes such a massive profit. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. So Mahrez... Very unlucky to miss out. He'll be on the bench for sure. Um, another one, actually, Frankie de Jong, you know, the, the ex-Ajax, now Barcelona player. Well, when he signed for Ajax from Willem Tway, he signed for just one pound. Wow. Um, it was a nominal transfer fee. 
Um, the ultimate nominal transfer fee. A- another I would throw in, obviously, I'm a big Reading fan. Um, I very much appreciated the signing of Kevin Doyle from Cork City for just £78,000. Um, obviously went on to be our top scorer in the Premier League. So um, definitely some, Reading's best ever bargain. Is there some unwritten rule that regardless of quality, no one's ever allowed to be signed from the Irish League for more than £100,000? I think it must be the case. It just seems like everyone comes so cheap. Absolutely. Another couple of names to throw into the mix. One would have to be Fernando Hierro, uh, signed for Real Madrid for just £730,000. He scored 100 goals for the club from centre-back, which is phenomenal. Really Uh, impressive. Kevin Kevin Phillips, another one, £350,000 from Watford to Sunderland, uh, scored over 100 goals there. An interesting one that I considered was Dixie Dean. Mm. He's obviously a player who is an Everton club legend from way, way back when in 1925. He was signed for £3,000 and he scored 400 in 450 games, which is unbelievable. But that a little is bit impressive. More, looking into it a little bit closer, I discovered that 3000 in 1925 was about half of the world record fee at the time. So I thought that was a little bit... Uh, okay. Difficult. Uh, and yeah. one final shout from me was Eric Cantona, obviously 1.2 million, uh, two FA Cups, four league titles, the catalyst for Man United's success in that period of time, I would say. So that's the end of our bargain 11. What's the team, Arthur? So we have Yussi Askelainen in goal uh, with a left back, Graham Lasso. Our right back, of course, is to be confirmed. Uh, please do get in touch on Twitter. We have a centre-back pairing of Colo Torre and Lucas Radovi with Marcos Senna sitting in front of those defenders in defensive midfield. In front of him is Tim Cahill and Stankovic and a front three of Vardy, Henrik Larsson and, of course, Collins John. I love it. Please do join us next time on The Eleven for another themed football team. Goodbye. Goodbye.